In Scotland, when friends get together, they blether. When these three friends happen to be Scottish Blue Badge tourist guides, you can be sure that the country that they're so passionate about will be right at the heart of their discussions, be it contemporary or historical, culinary or cultural, reminiscence or anecdote. From accommodation to zoos, the chat will range right across the entire alphabet of topics and issues that are live and happening in Scotland right now. We hope that you'll join us. There's nothing to beat a recht good blether. And you could also join in our blethers on social media. You can find us as at Scottish Blethers on both Facebook and Instagram. We post additional content during the week that supports the podcast episode. We love making the podcasts and would love it if you could share them with your friends and leave a review on the platform of your choice. And welcome to episode 67 of Scottish Blethers. I'm Liz Lister. And I'm Helen Houston. And we're very quiet because we're up early. We are in a period known as Twixmas. And so the families are sleeping in bed and we're cutting it right to the wire this time, Helen, because we're taking it right to the last minute. So we're in Twixmas. We're actually in Twixmas. And um, we've both got housefuls. So did you have a good Christmas? Oh, a very good Christmas, Liz. Christmas Day is always a little bit quieter because it's on Boxing Day, the day after Christmas, that my family all come round to me. And we've been doing that for, for quite a number of years and the children are growing up. Eight grandchildren now, Liz. We started off with not quite as many, obviously, and then eight grandchildren. And I've got three and their parents and their other granny sleeping in my house tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm at the other extreme, Helen. I have no grandchildren, so a Christmas without children, but we still very much celebrate it. There's my my husband and myself, my daughter, who you may remember, told you had she had positive for COVID, so she was cutting it right to the wire with her 10-day self-isolation. So she drove up from London on Friday, arrived here on Christmas morning. So it was lovely when she came in on Christmas, Christmas Day. And we go extreme excess with presents. We we um, just really enjoy it. And then that pushes back so that by the time she arrives, we have a brunch and that pushes back Christmas dinner right to the latter half of the day. It really is a dinner. So this time it was six o'clock. I have a confession to make, Helen, which the rest of the house Uh-oh. is sleeping. I committed the ultimate cardinal sin for Christmas dinner. I cooked the turkey with the giblets in it. Oh, you didn't. I did. It's so long since I've had an actual turkey. I always get a turkey crown. And I I reminded myself, I knew it. I, I went in and I got what I now know was the gizzard. And I took that out, right? And... I went and looked, but I wasn't searching in great detail. And so I didn't get it. And it was only that I saw, you know, something strange at the rear end of the bird. (laughs) 
So I, I told, I secretly told my daughter and we Googled it and it seemed to be fine. So I just cut, I just cut all the, the breast meat up from the top end of it and I threw the bird out. I just threw it out and got the breast meat out. So we had, nobody noticed it on Christmas Day and I certainly didn't taste anything funny about it. So we had a Christmas dinner, absolutely fine. And normally there would be loads of turkey left over. And then I committed another sin yesterday because I had turned the the, the fridge right up to high because it was stocked full and so the turkey froze yeah. at the back <laughs> so I just said to him, oh sorry can't have the... <laughs> I think I think there's a little bit of Prosecco going no, on at the on, same time honestly, honestly before all Prosecco or anything right it was just sheer ineptitude I'm just rubbish cook well, it was funny because I went into my daughter's next door on Christmas Day and she had a turkey crown as well, a nice big one. And it was really lovely. And um, then like you on, well, on Boxing Day, when they all come, I don't cook a meal for everybody. We just eat our leftovers. We do it kind of quite nicely and do it boofy style and just graze around the table all day. And that turkey was just super cut up and there were sufficient vegetables and potatoes left over that I even just reheated it all in gravy and served up another turkey dinner for those that wished it. And But I started off you know, making the meal for 12 because the four of my, you know, my, my grandchildren and, and their parents were not going to be staying because they were going elsewhere so but they did come in and they did stay so I'm saying oh god I need I need another four plates I need another four knives and um, there was plenty of food and because it's a buffet it doesn't really matter yeah they must have smelled right. it no, we were the same we had we had um, all the leftovers yesterday as well but we just had beautiful ham instead of the turkey so yeah they were perfectly happy but we had all the, the little it's always so much better the second day because it's all just reheat you don't have to start from scratch I actually ran out of oven space and I've got two quite big ovens, but I ran out of oven space. But we got there and then I did a huge apple crumble with your mum's apples. Very good. Did they enjoy it? Very much so. I found a big bag of red berries in the freezer. So I just added that to the apples and made a huge apple crumble. Lovely. Of apples and the red berries. So it was really nice. But Liz... That's talking of eating and drinking, and Prosecco was drunk in great quantities in this house. And um, so, Twixmas, what's happening now? We're now on the 27th of December, and what are we going to do now? Well, we had Boxing Day yesterday. We should tell our listeners, anybody who doesn't know why it's called Boxing Day, they might think it's getting rid of all those empty boxes left after opening all the presents on Christmas Day, but it's not. It goes right back really to the Victorian era when the Victorians used to celebrate Christmas Day and of course all the servants were working hard serving them up their Christmas dinner, hopefully without the giblets. <laughs> and uh, and Boxing Day was the day after when all the servants got their Christmas boxes there, a little reward for all their hard work. And still the tradition carries on. The churches, you know, the alms boxes were opened on Boxing Day and still um, a lot of the churches are involved with charity on Boxing Day. But still some people give like their their bin men or scaffy men. We've used that word before, haven't we? Scaffy men, their window cleaners, anybody that um, does a regular service for them, they still give them a little Christmas tip. Do you still do that? Yes, I, it's quite difficult to catch the you know, the milkman and the and the, the scaffy man, as you say. Uh, but my hairdresser and places like that, I don't tip 
during the year, but I give a tip and I always just say to Lynette, just add that to your 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 Christmas drinks box for the for the staff. Yeah, that's always lovely to do. So in, in some places, it's um it's not called Boxing Day. It's, it's throughout the Commonwealth because they sort of it was the height of the Victorian era when the British Empire was at its height. But in some places across the world, they call it St Stephen's Day, and of course, we know St Stephen from the Carol Good King Wenceslas. Yeah, it took me a long time to 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 work out the, the feast of Stephen. He looked out on the feast of Stephen, and then you know it makes sense being but being the day after Christmas. Poor man gathering winter fuel, you know, gathering all the, the, the wood that he can gather. Yeah, and of course, St Stephen, Hungary, that was the strong links with Queen Margaret, our Queen Margaret. And that was, she brought into Scotland the religious um, practices that she had grown up with in, in Hungary. So do we have a strong link with the church with that? Yeah, so um, one of our favourite females in history, Queen Margaret, we talk about her a lot. So still a lot of, of traditions that go on in Boxing Day, um, apart from just the giving of, of tips or, or whatever. I mean, this is when the British are their most eccentric, really. We've got things like loony dukes when people go in for a dip in the freezing cold sea. Yeah, I didn't get down to the to the fourth to, to have a look, but my grandson, Ben, who's... Well, I suppose he's just in training to become a beach bum, really. But he was telling us yesterday about he went surfing and having broken the ice as he as he walked in, you know, as he cracked through the ice at the edge of the, the water he went in and he was surfing really well. He's just a beginner, but he was surfing really well. And there was a family on the beach. The wee boy had stopped to watch him and Ben was doing his bit and at the end of his coming into land, so to speak, he decided to you know, just do one of these moves that just looks quite good if it goes well. Well, it didn't go well because he was so cold. His hands and feet were so cold. No, oh no, he'd, he'd bought, because his hands and feet had got cold, he'd bought himself water shoes and he hadn't realised that they had a much better grip on the surfboard. So when he tried to jump off, into the water he didn't his body went off but his feet stayed on the surfboard so it was it was a bit of an eccentric loony duke as you see well I'm sure it was great entertainment for those watching from the shore but my my husband and daughter are absolutely sports mad so boxing day one of the strong traditions is the football and the racing on the, the television and very often it's what we call a derby match where it's uh, rival teams from within the same city so they were entertained by that yesterday but another sporting tradition which we don't really have in Scotland and um, big in England is the traditional fox hunting Yes, it used to be big here, but then it was all banned. But I have a friend, Heather, who was a great horsewoman. You know, she doesn't do so much now, but she was a great horsewoman in her day. And she said that going on the hunt, she used to love going with the hunts, but they very seldom found a fox. But she said just the exhilaration of galloping across fields and, you know, jumping fences, which they can only do during the hunt because you're not allowed on these fields. She said it was just fantastic, the exhilaration of that. 
you can just imagine, you know, all the huntsmen and women with their red jackets and the hounds, you know. But since 2002, we've had it completely banned in Scotland under the Protection of Wild Mammals Act. It was banned in England in 2004. Yeah. They're limited to just three hounds. But um, what they do now is they lay an artificial trail. So we have the hunt going on. So there are several. There's about a dozen, I think, um, fox pack. Um, sorry, what do you call it? Yes, uh, packs, packs of hounds. Um, packs of hounds in Scotland, the most famous of which is the Duke of Buccleuch down in the border. I think it's the, it's one of the largest. So we still have all the splendour. And of course, where you have the hunt going on, you've also got the hunt saboteurs in England and um, they're, they're out to, to um, quite rightly, you know, to, to ensure that um, there's no foxes harmed in the hunt. Well, it's quite funny because part of the, the family staying over with me at the moment is their dog. Elsa, of course, named named after Elsa in Frozen because the children named her. But she was really just your know, ears pricked up all through through the late evening. I think she was hearing foxes out in the the garden, uh-huh. or hearing something out there. So so we didn't let her out to chase them. Right, right. No, I think that um, you know the argument that they put up in favour of fox hunting is that they are a pest, but it is a very very cruel sport. Um, so I think there's more humane ways of managing fox numbers than sending out the dogs after them. The sport part of it without the fox is 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 just great sport for the horse people. Yeah. So we're now moved on from Boxing Day. We're now into Twixmas, which I must confess, until relatively recently, I'd never heard the word. No, I'm the same, Liz. I hadn't heard of it. And, you know, Twix for us is a chocolate biscuit isn't it i suppose it's a good a good name for this bit because a lot of chocolate will be consumed yeah absolutely we wait we eat our body weight in it <laughs> yeah but um this this is something that the the um, travel and tourism industry have cottoned on to because um both the christmas period and the new year period in scotland hogmanay are huge holidays and so you know there's a lot of money to be made in that that time but the time in between that we're in now twixmas was a relatively quiet time so somebody came up with the idea well why don't we promote it this period be Wixed Christmas and New Year and get people coming up to Scotland to enjoy all the benefits. Yeah, and it's, it was interesting because I did a step on tour. I don't know whether I mentioned this in the last one. I did a step on tour just before Christmas and these people were on a, I think it was a five day holiday and they were celebrating mountains, mountains and uh, mistletoe or sometimes it's known as turkey and tinsel. And they have these five-day holidays going on from about November through to about February. Just and the five days is Christmas and New Year rolled into one. So they do all the celebrations. And it's quite a nice way of having a, a holiday when it's dark at night. So there's nothing out going on out there. And I suppose now that we're being clamped down, Liz, it would be quite a nice way when things have been cancelled. Yep, absolutely. And it's, it's good value because it's not the expense of Christmas. But did you know, Helen, that the word Twixmas, betwixt and between, is a portmanteau, a linguistic portmanteau. Now, what do you think of when I say portmanteau? Well, I would say that was some sort of carrying case, carrying your coat, something like that. Yeah, it comes from the French. It means 
port to carry and manteau your coat. And we just started watching on television last night. We're watching David Tennant in Around the World in 80 Days. And he had a portmanteau, a large travelling case made of leather. And when you open it, it's hinged so that it's got the two sides. Well, a linguistic portmanteau is just exactly the same thing. It's a new word made by combining two parts. In this case, it's two words. And it was introduced by Lewis Carroll in uh, Through the Looking Glass. He coined it in Jabberwocky, where slithy was a word which means slimy and lithe, and mimsy was a word miserable and flimsy. So it's combining two different words, usually that share some kind of of uh, vowel in the middle. So Twixmas is a good example of that. Can you think of any others? I think Something like brunch. I think you mentioned that you'd got up and had a brunch. I suppose that's breakfast and lunch. Absolutely. And I think that's become quite a an accepted word nowadays, hasn't it? And while you're up on your um, little tinsel and ta- and uh, what was it, tinsel and turkey tour, you might stay in a motel, which is a portmanteau from motor and hotel. Yes, it's 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 really it's really very clever. Velcro, I didn't realise, was a portmanteau. Velvet and crochet, you know, the crochet hook and the and the velvet, clever. And you you can even get it to combine two different people. They've coined it, you know, Brangelina, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. So, you know, you'll come across them in many places. Now, you shouldn't confuse them because there's other linguistic um, techniques. For example, starfish. Now, that's not a portmanteau because it doesn't have a vowel in the middle, but it is a compound of star and fish. I think that's very clever. And here we have in our Twixmas our English language lesson going on. Very good. Absolutely, absolutely. But what Twixmas, we don't tax the brain. This is the downtime. This is the little period of lull after Christmas and before we ramp it back up again for for the new year, the Hogmanay period. We charge our batteries, take things easy. So what do you do in Twixmas period? Exactly that. Very little. Just, you know, take things at slow pace and um, you'll go for a nice walk or something if the weather's the weather's right. Maybe go down to the beach and just I love walking along the beach in the winter time when it's, you know, cold but you're well wrapped up and just you get that lovely smell at the beach of the seaweed and the rocks. I love doing something like that. As you say, mind and mind and neutral. Exactly. Try to switch off from social media as well. Good time to exercise, to work off all those huge calories that we've been consuming. For some people, it's a time for DIY activities around the house. Maybe a bit of cleaning up, decluttering, maybe decorating. Certainly not in my house if we want to maintain domestic bliss. (laughs) Yes. And I was just thinking that also not so much the, the doing, but the planning, the head starts looking ahead, you know, because you've got time to think, oh, I must do this. You know, to, next year will be the year of the garden, for example. So I say, now you're a great gardener, Liz, but my daughter, my daughter gave me, my present was called Roots, and it's something from the National Trust of Scotland. And each month I will receive seeds or tiny plants to be planted out that are grown in the National Trust of Scotland Gardens and so so I, I got a little fork and a little trowel as well to go with it so I, this is my planning in Twixmas where am I going to put these plants that are going to be arriving? 
Very good. Well, we're heading out today. It's a bit frosty and icy. That's been keeping us off. But I've said many times, one of my greatest joys is my e-bike. Um, I absolutely love it. And uh, we've all got one now. And, and so for our Christmas present, Jenny gave us an hour each, so two hours combined, coaching session on on mountain biking on the e-bike. Um, so we'll be getting really extreme after this. So that was my Christmas present. Oh, that's excellent, because, of course, where you are up there in the Cairngorms National Park, that's very famous for the mountain bike trails. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll be getting out there and about and reading the books that got for Christmas. I've even got a, a cross-stitch thing that I've had for a couple of years and I never got around to it, but our greatest is jigsaws. We love jigsaws, so we're, we're nearly completed our first one. I'll put it up online when it's completed. <laughs> You see, you see that that's me in the planning stage. I've got jigsaws. I love doing them. But, oh, they're such a wonderful time waster. And this is the time to do your jigsaws when you've got yeah, the time. Yeah. But I must get some up as well. You, you need a table dedicated to the jigsaw, don't you? Yeah, we have that. Yeah, we, we do that. No, we, we love our jigsaws. But when we're talking about all this downtime and time to enjoy all these simple pleasures, we've got to spare a thought because not everybody gets these holidays. All these, you know, the essential workers and um, the people in our hospitals and our hospitality industries, poor old souls, it's one of their busiest time of year. Yes, and, and you know, and even, even other places where the, it's not the you know, at any different time of the year, what what they do is, I was speaking to my son last night and he was saying he always tries to take Twixmas off between Christmas and New Year so they have good family time, but they can buy leave. At the beginning of the year, the beginning of the annual leave year, they can buy so many extra days and then that is basically holiday without pay, but then that pay is taken off over the 12 months so you don't actually notice it. Well, you do notice it, but it's not as bad as finding yourself a month with two weeks less pay in it. No, it's everybody is very conscious of work-life balance these days. And in the UK in general, we're very, very fortunate in what we get as annual leave entitlement. And we get 28 days. Everybody that um, works a five-day week is entitled to a minimum of 28 days paid leave or pro rata if you work part-time. But if there's one thing that's absolutely guaranteed to confuse visitors to the British Isles and to, to Scotland included, it's the, <laughs> the, the confusion over bank holidays, public holidays, annual leave. Um, very confusing. So just interesting to reflect on bank holidays and public holidays and the difference between them. And, and they never used to be as confusing as they are. I think it's because now that we're in a much more global economy and we've got the internet where everybody is accessible within, you know, two or three minutes. So in the past, Liz, I do remember it was quite simple. The bank holidays were, you know, the big days. Even Christmas wasn't one then, but, but New Year's Day. But then the bank holidays tended to be local so I grew up in Stirling, as some of our listeners have already you know, you know, cottoned on that I'm from Stirling, a daughter of the rock. But I grew up in Stirling and the Stirling bank holidays would be different from the bank holidays of, you know, say, Bridge of Allen, just you know, two or three miles away. And that's where we went. If we wanted to go out for a coffee or we wanted to go look at the shops or something, we'd just go somewhere else. So the economy was kind of moving around the country using these bank holidays. The country didn't shut down as it does in England. 
Yeah, we're much more complicated in Scotland because we've got the interaction of a number of different systems. When we talk about public holidays, I think in most countries there are statutory holidays like Bastille Day or Independence Day or Labour Day. And there really the whole population or most of them, a significant proportion, take that holiday. It's a public holiday. In in Scotland, in, in, in the, the British Isles, um, there came a time when there were so many holidays, these public holidays that were observed through custom and practice, that it became very confusing for the banks because they had to be open to be able to pay people that wanted paid or wanted to pay someone on those days. So in 1834, when there were about 33 public holidays, then they introduced, they, they started to talk about it and they introduced the Banking and Financial Dealings Act of 1871, where it rationalised all these haphazard times and brought them down to, at that time, just four bank holidays. But then a liberal politician and banker called Sir John Lubbock began to introduce more bank holidays and the people were very happy about them and called them St Lubbock's Days because he was a great cricket enthusiast. They tended to converge with important cricket matches. <laughs> I, w- I wonder if he'd be doing that just now when England's not doing quite so well in the cricket, is it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we still have some of these bank holidays um, we have that are maintained in Scotland. But the big difference between Scotland and the rest of the UK is that the holidays are set by the local authorities. And so across Scotland, each of the sort of regional administrative authorities all set their own. And there was good reasons for this because many of them were set around fairs or special occasions. And so they wanted the people to travel from the different regions into their region to join the fair, boost the economy. So we still have these different um, fairs, Glasgow Fair, Dundee Fair, Edinburgh Fair, that go on during the holiday period. Yeah, and, and as I say, it's not quite, they're there and that's the, the sort of traditional holidays. But because of this global economy, there's always somebody awakening at their desk or at their computer somewhere in the world. And many, even what seem to be local businesses, are tied up with international economies as well. So we've actually got a different number of bank holidays. Um, we've got nine in Scotland, whereas there's only eight bank holidays a year in England and Wales. They're not very happy about that. Um, we've got seven that are in common, as you'd expect. Now we've got New Year's Day, we've got Good Friday, Christmas Day, Boxing Day, others that uh, we share across spring and summer holidays. But Easter Monday is not holiday in Scotland, although it's a bank holiday in England and Wales and Northern Ireland. It's interesting because these holidays that we're talking about, these public holidays, are not included in the annual leave count of 28 days. So it's 28 days plus public holidays. Yeah. So most people will have about, well, 30 plus days anyway. And it's a five day week. So it's, you know, six weeks they would have. Yeah, although it's up to the employer and their contract. I think it's so variable across contracts. You've got to check your contract well. And of course, some employers choose to give over the entitlement because, for example, I worked in the university sector and the universities didn't want to be open in Twixmas, all the heating, where there were no students there. So you would wait and you would go to the very, very end, you know, not using up precious annual leave and hope that usually the announcement came out on sort of the last week that uh, the university was closed. <laughs> so you got an additional benefit. 
And that, that made sense. That does make sense. And as you say, public holidays have been added in. We, we were given a May Day holiday a few years back. I can't remember exactly when we were given it. And then for the Queen's Golden Jubilee, we got a holiday. And I would imagine that next year for the Platinum Jubilee, we'll get a public holiday. Yep, we're getting on Friday the 3rd of June. It's well, it's set well ahead because um, there have been instances in, in recent years where the government have brought it in. It comes in by royal proclamation, but they brought it in too late when all the calendars are printed. So you can imagine that the, you know, the people in the production of calendars are not at all happy when they change something and make it a public holiday or a bank holiday. And it's interesting, again, if you buy your, I buy just a cheap diary, um, I still use a, a paper diary. I buy a cheap diary, which are published probably in England or even abroad, and they've got all sorts of days in them. And I say, well, I don't recognise that. Well, that's certainly not a holiday here, but I suppose they're just covering their options, you know, just say, well, a bit like it's five o'clock somewhere. Well, it's a public holiday somewhere. <laughs> and of course, we've got a benefit this year because um, where the bank holiday falls on a weekend, then you get what's called a substitute. So we have a substitute for Christmas Day, which is a bank holiday. Monday and Tuesday are bank holidays, substitute bank holidays. So we're still on holiday, even in Twixmas. Yeah, and it's, and it's good. It's just... Just And of course, you know, we talked about what could you do all this time. Well, in Scotland, we're really, even with the restrictions that are in place, there's so much that can be done by just going out and about. As you say, Liz, going up on your, on your bike or, or doing going for walks. There's so much that can be done. You, you might even be lucky if we get good, clear skies to see the northern lights um, in Scotland. Yeah, I mean, the, the um, advertising agencies spend huge amounts of money and one of the top destinations that they're trying to promote this time of year is the Arctic Circle, Lapland, um, stretching across the north of Norway and Sweden and Finland. And as you say, Helen, if you stay in Scotland and you're very lucky, I mean, nothing is guaranteed, you'll certainly see beautiful starry skies, but you may even see the northern lights. I went out the other, after eking all day on Christmas Day, I took the torch and I just went out because this, uh, just to walk down the back lane because the sky was absolutely phenomenal with stars. Yes. Oh, when we get these clear nights, there's nothing to beat it. I remember quite a number of years ago, I was walking the dog. This was when I lived up in um, Murray near Inverness. And I was walking the dogs and just up on the hill, you could, I was just standing there. I thought, what's that I'm looking at? What's that I'm looking at? It was the Northern Lights just you're just sweeping across the sky. And it just reminded me very much of when you see barley fields waving in the wind in summertime. Well, that was what the, the lights were doing. They were just kind of rolling across the sky. Beautiful, beautiful. So much so that I went, I went, run, ran back home, grabbed the children out of their beds and said, you get your shoes on, you've got to come and see this. And it was just wonderful. Yeah, we can't guarantee them, but as you say, up on the Murray coast, you know, we've got the, the song, the Scottish song, the Northern Lights of Old Aberdeen. They call them the Heavenly Dancers, the Murray Dancers. If you're lucky up on the islands, Orkney and Shetland, and um, it's a very clear night and you've got the solar dust illuminated, a spectacular sight. But if you're just looking for starry skies, we've got a dark sky park as well in Scotland. Oh yes, down in, in in Galloway, that is just beautiful. I went there, and you don't know darkness until you go there, or 
you're free of the light pollution that is everywhere if you're in if you live in a city yeah and of course the other reason that people go on christmas breaks christmas markets well now across all the cities in scotland you have the christmas markets they're under new regulations with the new covid regulations that came in on on boxing day but they're still going ahead um, although our, our hogmanay celebrations have largely been cancelled because they draw bigger crowds yeah, and I think I think it's a shame, but totally understandable. And we're we're now restricted, and this is where it will make your gatherings a little bit more difficult, or or have to be cancelled. Three three households, I think. Yes, inside, isn't it? And you know that um, one of the favourite um, reasons for going abroad at this time of year is skiing. So people would normally go to France or Italy. Um, for skiing and of course these these countries have closed their borders to the UK so the ski resorts here we've got plenty of snow at the moment up in the Cairngorm resort so hopefully yeah hopefully it's set for a, a good year and of course we've got the reindeer here which you'd find in Lapland and yesterday I was out on a walk and I heard the dogs back and back and back and it was the team of huskies now it's not our local one there is a team in, in Aviemore it was a team of rescue huskies so this was a couple from the Peak District in England that uh, um, second home these husky dogs they take them from the pound they've all come from the pound and it was dogs that people couldn't manage and they were just spectacular they were about to go out and um, there was not enough snow it was just frost and ice round about so they use a little kind of tricycle which the dogs pull so they were desperate to get underway on that yeah you know and I think that's where Scotland has really been very inventive over the past few years in making what was a ski resort such as the Cairngorms into an all round all the year round resort with its mountain biking its its huskies its dog dog teams going through the Rocky Rocky Marcus forest it's just it's just a fantastic absolutely an excellent food and drink you know that would be a highlight you know sitting in a a cosy snug corner of the bar with a range of whiskies in front of you in front of a roaring log fire. And, and we've certainly improved on our food and drink and we've done that in episodes before. So it's, it's you know, really good food that you get now in Scotland with local produce, again, keeping things local. Yep, and you know, if you many of the hotels that are in beautiful, stunning locations for winter also have huge whiskey bars. So I'm thinking of Sligachan, um, Sky. I always think of Sky, the road round it like a figure of eight, and um, the top part being round Trotternish, the peninsula. And right in the middle of the figure of eight is Sligachan in the heart of the Coolan Mountains on Sky. And it's got a fabulous whiskey menu. So you can do a flight of three whiskies tasting them. Um, and they do excellent entertainment. So a Cayley, a traditional informal gathering with music and dance, is another regular occurrence in the Sligarkin Hotel. And, and at this time of year, Liz, it certainly was always, obviously they'll not be happening this year, but it was always a great tradition. There'd be dances or Cayleys going on somewhere. So going back to if it's five o'clock somewhere, there might be a Cayley, and then there might be a whiskey bar as well, Liz. Why do we always get on to drink? I know. Before you know it, you've reached Hogmanay, which is the biggest drinking occasion of the year, which is New Year's Eve. So we've come full circle and we're back to a new year again. So if too much food, drink, family, relatives, boredom, if all that's getting too much for you, there's plenty to be doing throughout the Twixmas period. It's just one more thing before we go, Liz. I was asked just by uh, my niece's husband, Alan, you 
when when did New Year move to the 1st of January? And of course, it was uh, with the change of the calendar from the Julian to the Gregorian calendar, because New Year's Day used to be the 15th of March. And of course, if you remember, Liz, that probably that was more appropriate because it was always beware the Ides of March, the 15th of March. Yep, yes, it's true. And now it's the biggest celebration in the world. You know, just about no matter what your culture, no matter where you are in the world, everything stops for New Year celebrating. Those that there's very few now that don't follow the Gregorian calendar. Yep. And so from our next our next meeting, Liz, our next podcast will be in the new year, won't it? It will be. <clears throat> so a, a good new year to one and all. Absolutely. And we were just thinking words of the week. And I think that we've got two good words. Liz, have you got any words at all? Well, I've got one, but I've, I've, I failed to come up with one. I think we've used one of the ones that I was thinking of, but it was one my mother came across because she was telling tales on my husband. <laughs> right? She was t- telling me. What, <laughs> and I said, Mother, you're a right clipe. Yes. yes. <laughs> and a clipe is a telltale. Yes. There's a lovely poem on the bridge, on the Tay Street in Perth about clipe. So it's it's quite good. But the, I was thinking, Liz, that we, you know, the two words, near day, that we use in Scotland for New Year's Day and Hogmanay, which we use for for New Year's Eve. So these are two very Scottish words, aren't they? I did think of that and we did an episode on that. I'm not sure if it was on Guide Collective or Scottish Blethers. I think we did one on Scottish Blethers, you know, that um, people can check back and, you know, learn how it was called, Hogan May from the Norse or perhaps from the French, still not very clear. Um, You can check back to an early episode and certainly find that out. Well, I think that's, we've chatted on a lot longer than we thought we would chat on, Liz, but here we are. I can hear stirrings in the house. (laughs) Well, I can hear stirrings in the house. Yeah, people are about, they'll be looking for more food. (laughs) So I'll tell them it's still a holiday. Yeah, I don't smell the bacon yet, so I'll be in the kitchen (laughs) doing the bacon and bacon and eggs in a minute. Very good, very good. Okay, well, have a lovely week, Helen, and uh, we'll see you in the new year. See you in the new year. Bye for now. Bye for now. And there we have it, the end of another episode of Scottish Blethers. If you'd like to join us on social media, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram as at Scottish Blethers. And if you'd like to leave a review, please do so on your podcast platform of choice. It's cheery bye from me. Ta-ta the new from me. And if I don't see you through the week, I'll see you through the windy from me. Bye. See ya. Bye. Bye.